What's going on, everybody? I am Cole Haight. This is the All In Man Cave Podcast. Welcome to another beautiful episode of the preview show for the week, the final week of the NFL football season, week 18. This is the 65th episode of the All In Man Cave podcast. So for all the listeners that have been with me from the beginning, for all the new listeners, thank you so much for the support. I couldn't ask for anything else. Kind of a switch uh, this week. We're going to have a little bit of injury updates, a few things that I've snagged from all of the shows that I've watched uh, amongst the week in terms of injuries that may impact some of these some of these week 18 games that are more some more important than others. Uh, but we'll go over some injuries. I'm going to do my little my little version of the awards show. We're going to pick six of the most popular awards given out uh, in terms of MVP, Comeback Player of the Year, the Rookie of the Year on both sides of the football, and a few others. I'm going to give you guys my top three uh, for each award uh, before the final week of the season. Kind of kind of see if I can throw my throw my two cents in there on how I feel about these players and whether or not they should win this award. So we're going to do that. And then the parlay, we're going to go over. Uh, it's a seven-leg parlay. We'll talk more about the parlay this week, uh, but we'll go over a few of these important games, some of the non-important games, and kind of the way I'm leaning on some of these teams this week. Uh, if, if, if any of you out there are avid bettors of football, you know the hardest week to bet football is week 18. People sitting uh, starters sitting, getting ready for the playoffs. You got teams that are that are trying to go out on a good note that have probably underperformed most of the season. So week 18, not the best week to bet football, but we're going to take a chance. Uh, what's a couple bucks thrown on a parlay? So uh, let me get the parlay ready actually on my phone real quick. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna start with a few injuries that I've noticed. Um, some of these a little bit non non important uh, because fantasy football is pretty much over with, uh, except for like I mentioned before, a few people that go into week eighteen with. With, with fantasy football, it's a ridiculous. I even just looked at my team quick on some of the people that I had, uh, the championship team uh, that I just won the championship last week, and, and and it's ridiculous. Some of the players that are playing, uh, the, the projections are weird. They don't look right. So uh, you can look at fantasy anywhere and kind of gauge whether or not players are going to play based on how many points they're projected. That's another way of kind of helping you out. Uh, during the football season uh, in terms of what people are expecting because uh, the projections are just like the the, the odds in Las Vegas. So uh, let's hop right in. Let's start with the injuries. Justin Fields, the ankle injury, he's missed the past two weeks. He is going to start against the Vikings this week. Now, I wrote this podcast. I had these notes from yesterday. I heard some rumblings that he got COVID, but he's vaccinated. They still expect him to start. I'm not sure if he was activated off the list, placed on the list, close contact, COVID positive. I'm not positive about that. This basically, in terms of his ankle, is what I'm reporting on. Uh, right now for Justin Fields. So uh, if, if Justin Fields should be starting as long as he is not COVID positive and his ankle is good, uh, more reps is better, especially as a Chicago Bears fan. You want to see Justin Fields get the most reps uh, that he possibly can, considering that he definitely will be the QB1 moving forward. Uh, so against a Minnesota Vikings team that's ranked 31st in defense, it's it's a good confidence booster for Justin Fields to be able to get in there in the last week of the regular season uh, and make some noise and have some good momentum going into the offseason and into next season. 
Next on the injury report, Derek Henry, King Henry, has been activated off the IR with the foot injury. Surgery went well. He has been activated. They haven't released whether or not he is officially ruled out for Week 18. I don't think there's a single chance in hell that Derrick Henry plays this week just because it would be pretty much worthless. They're playing the Houston Texans. They've had running backs that have been able to fill that void. And I don't think it's actually necessary. Let's get him some practice reps. I think they're going to manage him in terms of practice, whether he be limited or might even get a few days off throughout the week. Uh, and and throughout the week next week if they're able to uh, have an off week and have a bye with the one seed going into the playoffs in the AFC. So I don't expect Derrick Henry to play this week. It would be an extreme long shot if he would play, and even if he were to play, he would definitely be on a pitch count, uh, but I don't see that necessary at all. But good for Tennessee Titans fans out there and people who like to see really good running back play. Uh, good to see Derrick Henry back on his feet. Good to see him recovering well. He was a limited participant. There was a video leaked, not leaked, but I guess released uh, via the NFL of him at practice doing a little bit of drill, doing a little bit of drill work. So it's good to see him ready to go, and it's good to know that he's definitely going to be giving it a shot in the playoffs. Next on the injury report, and this one hits my heart because I love Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater ruled out for the rest of the season, placed on IR. He had a he got a concussion, I think, week fifteen. Uh, he's missed the last two games. Uh, either it was the last two games or he was hurt in the first out of the two games. But he's going to be placed on IR. It seems like it's a really bad concussion. I've seen high grades in terms of this is a type of concussion you should get as your third or fourth. Uh, and I believe this is only his first or second. So uh, hoping Teddy has a good recovery. Uh, steady Teddy always covers. If you're willing to make a bet and Teddy Bridgewater is starting the game, he's probably going to cover. Uh, he's probably one of he's the best quarterback I think in in terms of DraftKings. I was reading an article a few days ago. Teddy Bridgewater is the best in terms of covering the spread in terms of a starting quarterback, which is very interesting com considering that there's a lot of quarterbacks that are better than him, and he's just able to cover, which is great for for the betters out there. But it's also great for Teddy since he came back from that horrific leg injury a few years ago. Next on the injury list, Micah Parsons is COVID positive. He is vaccinated. Uh, he released a uh, uh, blurb to Twitter uh, apologizing if you feel it feels like his fault. It's his fault, even though obviously it's not. Uh, he's a vaccinated player. Uh, he ended up getting COVID. It looks like he's probably not gonna play this week, based on what's happened and the average of even vaccinated players testing out of the protocol within the same week is very to, relatively low in percentage. So I, it's going to be hard for him to play. Now, I knew there was a reason why the, the Cowboys-Eagles game this week, the line has moved a lot since I placed my original bet of the parlay early. Uh, I placed it actually Wednesday after the podcast. I'm going to give you guys the parlay. I'm going to stick with the same I'm very confident in my picks for the parlay. When when we when we get there, we'll talk about that. I'm pretty positive, and I like I like the picks I have, even with the spreads changing, whether it be in my favor or not. So we'll talk more about the Cowboys Eagles game when we get to the parlay. But 
without Micah Parsons on the field, they're missing a few key components on the offensive side of the football. They may be sitting people. Jerry Jones is being relatively quiet. McCarthy, uh, the Dallas camp, is being very quiet on who's going to play, how long they're going to play, and that probably has some sort of impact on the spread. Actually, I know it has an impact on the spread, but that's why it's moving. So with Micah Parsons' COVID pot, he's the biggest impact player on that defense with Trayvon Diggs. And Trayvon Diggs is questionable this week with a hamstring. So we'll see what's going on uh, with Dallas. I still like their defense in that game, uh, even without those two players even playing, uh, based on the way they play against the run. So uh, without Micah Parsons, he's had a fantastic season. And and if he's not able to play, it's going to be a, a – it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad for him personally. He played the whole season uh, just to miss week 18. It's just a little bit of a downfall. Next on the injury list, Joe Mixon, also COVID positive. This doesn't really even surprise me considering that most of their starters are probably going to sit this week. Uh, they wrapped up the AFC North. Doesn't look like they want to try and advance in seeding, nor do I think it's possible. I think they're locked in to a seed, whether it be the third seed or the fourth seed. As Actually, I think it's the fourth seed. Uh, but there's rumblings out of Cincinnati. Uh, Joe Burrow is going to sit. Jamar Chase is going to sit. They have a few defensive players that they're going to sit, as well as Joe Mixon, who was probably going to be planned to sit. Uh, however, he's COVID positive, so now he has no choice but to sit, but probably at his house. So... Uh, they're playing the Browns this week. At, the Browns is a good bet right now, but I don't even want to touch the, the Cleveland Browns based on the way they've been playing. So, uh, hint, hint, that will not be in the parlay at the end of the, at the end of this episode. But uh, they're they're just going to get ready to go. Uh, they're going to end up playing. It looks like the highest chance right now of the article I read is them playing New England. Uh, so if they end up playing New England or or, or, Los, or Los Angeles, the Chargers, it's going to be a good game regardless. But Joe Burrow knee dinged up. It's good to give him a little bit of rest. Jamar Chase has done a lot the last few weeks. Let's get him a little bit of rest. And the defense that's been a lot better than expected this year. Let's get them some rest as well. Uh, and, and maybe see if you can find a diamond in the rough on your second team. Next injury on the injury list, Baker Mayfield's shoulder. He has been placed on season-ending IR. He will have surgery. There are a lot of rumblings out of Cleveland right now, and it's it doesn't look good for Baker Mayfield. Looks like it's Baker Mayfield versus everybody else. It just seems like they're not on the same page. He's probably resenting them a bit because he was forced to play through this injury. Not forced, I guess, but they thought he could be able to give it a go, and it just seems it seems like there may be some sort of divorce in the near future with Baker Mayfield. Uh, the Browns themselves don't really have another option. They could go with Case Keenum and try and do what the Vikings did in 2017, but then you're going to be handicapped at the quarterback position where you felt like you were handicapped this year with Baker's injury. So uh, th there's a lot of disagreements going on between not only Baker and his coaches, Baker and the organization, and then he already had the issue with Odell with his teammates. So it just seems like Cleveland as a whole versus Baker Mayfield has been happening for a few weeks now. And it's a few more weeks than it needs to happen, especially for all the Browns fans out there. I know a few, uh, and the, I support the dog pound. I love it. I, I I will always root for the Cleveland Browns, always. Um, growing up, they were probably the worst football team, uh, the worst franchise for my entire childhood life. And I love seeing them have success. I love seeing a lot of teams that normally don't have success have some. 
because it's hard to come by in this league. It's really hard. It's hard to play in the NFL. And if they these guys out there going out week in and week out make it look easy, but it is not as easy as it looks. So uh, I think Baker remains on the, on the Cleveland Browns. I think that he's not going to be moved or they're going to decide to move him. I think they're going to give him another year, try and prove it, like a prove it year. Uh, and then that's when they might start talking again about giving him, him an extension and how much that extension is worth. Next on the injury list, Cam Akers tore his Achilles last, at the end of last season. Uh, he is officially active for this game. So his first game of the season and only game of the season will be the last game of the season. Uh, I love the way Cam Akers looked last year for, for, the, for the Rams. He's a great running back out of Florida State. Uh, the quarterback who took over after Dalvin Cook had been drafted out of Florida State. I love him. He did a lot of good things, uh, uh, even with Jared Goff as his starting quarterback. Sean McVay loves the guy. I was really hoping he would come back strong. Uh, and he. I it, I have a good feeling he will. Uh, people have been see, seeing him uh, practice since he's been activated off the IR. Says it looks like he's got his speed. Looks like he's got his knowledge of the playbook still there. Uh, so interesting to see how well. Cam Akers plays this week uh, in, a, in a divisional game against the 49ers. Next on the injury list, Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, when I've heard so many different stories about Jimmy Garoppolo and what is going on. Uh, so first it was Trey Lance is going to start regardless. Uh, that was earlier in the week. Then it kind of transitioned into, well, Jimmy... The Jimmy's thumb, he's still limited. It's hard for him to grip the football, which still lean towards Trey Lance. Uh, and then similarly, at that same time, Kyle Shanahan came out and said, if Jimmy's good to go, he's going to play and he's going to start, uh, which made me start to lean Jimmy Garoppolo. And then, th then they started to say that he started to look okay in practice. So Jimmy G might be starting this week. It's going to be a game-time decision. I honestly am kind of split 50-50 on how I feel about Jimmy Garoppolo not 100% versus Trey Lance at 100%. It's probably similar. Now, the game plan's a little bit different. You can do some more things with Trey Lance on the ground. You have more knowledge of the playbook and a quicker release in terms of Jimmy Garoppolo and the playbook. So I, I'm kind of split 50-50 on how I feel and what I would recommend to the 49ers if I was asked or if it was my decision at all. But honestly, I'm I'm if I had to choose right now being as close to 50-50, I would probably go with Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo at 100% still has some type of ceiling whereas Trey Lance I don't think has found his yet. And I think what he does on the ground is enough to help him through the air where they have a more competitive chance at starting Trey Lance this week. And just letting Jimmy G just fade into the the uh, the free agent market uh, or deal him somewhere because uh, Tr Jimmy Garoppolo will not be on this team next season. They will go with Trey Lance. They gave out multiple first-round picks for him. There's no way that the 49ers are going to keep Jimmy G on this roster and, or at least pay him as much as he's getting paid right now. Last guy I have on the injury report for Week 18 is Darren Waller. Uh, he's practiced two days this week in limited participation, which is the most he's had since he got injured on Thanksgiving, uh, which is good to hear for the Raiders. They're a winning in. They're in a winning in game. 
So uh, if they win, they are 100% in the playoffs. They are playing against the Chargers, which are very weak at the at on defense in general. Uh, so with Darren Waller and, and the way Derek Carr has put this team on his back, uh, for him to get another weapon back would be huge. Zay Jones has stepped in for Henry Ruggs uh, as a deep threat. He's done an okay job. Had a really good week last week. Has been pretty decent at at least making it seem like they have a a really scary downhill uh sorry downfield threat in terms of throwing the ball deep on go routes deep posts what have you and Hunter Renfro as a possession receiver in in the middle of the field is good so uh with Darren Waller added to that offense I give the Raiders a bit of an edge Uh, I do want to stay completely away from this game in terms of putting money on it because depending on what charges you get you have no idea I mean, I took the Chargers minus 13, and they lost by 13 against the Texans. Sorry, 12 against the Texans. So I was off by 25 on that one. So I kind of want to stay clear of the Chargers, especially in a in a win-and-you're-in type scenario uh, because I don't know what I'm going to get from that defense, and I don't know what I'm going to get from Herbert. All right, guys, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, we're going to do the All-In Man Cave Awards um, segment right now. Uh, I have... Right now, six different awards, uh, Coach of the Year, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, and Comeback Player of the Year. So I'm going to take start at three and work my way to one. The top three that I see fit for each award. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about why I feel like these these players should be in here. Now, some of these are going to align. Some of these are not going to align with the betting odds. I, I, I'm just going by what I've seen this season. So this is what I'm looking at. Uh, and it's 100% true, 100% authentic. So let's start the All In Man Cave podcast awards segment right now. First, first, starting with Coach of the Year. Third on my list, Zach Taylor of the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Zach Taylor has done a great job getting this team to go from a bottom a bottom dweller into a, a divisional winner. And Zach Taylor has coached this defense to be better than expected. Uh, and there's going to be another co- other coaches we're going to go over, uh, obviously, between who I have at two and who I have at one. But the, he, Zach Taylor's done a great job coaching this team. And Joe Burrow's had a great year this year. Uh, they've gotten a lot of productivity from from Jamar Chase in terms of basically setting records as a rookie. He's done a great job. They had a lot of bad flack coming out of Cincinnati's camp in the offseason that he's dropping passes, can't pick up the playbook. His routes look like they're they're weak. He's cutting them off. He's done none of that this season. None of that. He had a, a slower month in the middle of the field, but even then he was still catching touchdown passes when he didn't have as many receptions or yards. So uh, Zach Taylor definitely deserves to be in the top three for coach of the year. Number two, Matt LaFleur of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the Packers are good, and Matt LaFleur has been a, has at least 13 wins in his first three seasons. Uh, that That's impressive. Uh, and, and this team on the defensive side of the football was not supposed to be this good. They lost a lot of players throughout the throughout the year. Week in and week out, they had defensive starters either put on IR, COVID positive, or just missing weeks and getting injuries. And they're still able to hold teams to no points. And it's absolutely amazing to watch as a football fan uh, to see how that team operates, to see how Aaron Rodgers handles the offense. Their rookies, their draft picks have performed well. It's been amazing to watch the Green Bay Packers. Now, 
am I a fan of them? Absolutely not. Do I respect how good their team is? Absolutely. Number one for coach of the year, Mike Vrabel of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, we've talked about this already, so I'm not going to go hardcore into it, but Mike Vrabel's defense is so much better than people expected. They've been doing well. He's managed through life without Derrick Henry. He's gotten three running backs to, to equal one in terms of production. His defense keeps them in football games, and Ryan Tannehill game manages to make sure that they get Ws. Now, have they all been pretty? Absolutely not. Uh, but if you lose your best player and you still get the number one or number two seed in your conference, you definitely 100% deserve to be considered uh, and probably at the top of the list for Coach of the Year. We shift into MVP. So for MVP, number three, Cooper Cup of the LA Rams. Cooper Cup, in terms of all these betting websites, is way down on the list in terms of uh, MVP. But look at the, what this man's done. He, he has the opportunity to break the yards record in Week 18. He has the opportunity to break the receptions record in Week 18. Every week he puts up 100 yards passing, and every week he bails his team out in terms of them underperforming, mainly because of Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford finds Cooper Cup gets back in a rhythm, and, and Cooper Cup is basically able to get Matt, Sa Matt Stafford out of a funk mid-game. Not even mid-week, mid-game. Matt Stafford has a slow first quarter. Uh, a few receptions by Cooper Cup gets them back in the football game. They've been able to win football games, and a lot of them, uh, in the second half of the season, uh, mainly because of this amazing offensive threat. Uh, who is extremely intelligent based on what I've read about him and some of the interviews that I've seen from him. Uh, so I love Cooper Cup in, in, as the number three for MVP. Number two, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, the Colts were awful at the beginning of the season. They, uh, Jonathan Taylor got a slow start, but then really started to pick it up uh, midway through their slump, even when they were losing football games. If you guys remember, the Colts started 1-7. and seven. Uh, They started 1-7, and seven and they, they rattled off a lot of wins. Uh, and, and not not because of Carson Wentz, because of Jonathan Taylor. He's run the rock. He's erased every negative energy statement from when he came out of college saying he was going to fumble the ball a lot. He has one loss fumble this season. Uh, last time I checked, he had 17 touchdowns. This guy is a threat on the ground. He's a threat in the middle, running up the middle. He's a threat running along the outside. And he's a threat in the receiving game. What else could you ask for from the top rusher in the league right now? Without Jonathan Taylor, the Colts offense cannot operate, which is why he is number two in the MVP race. Number one, Aaron Rodgers. I can't dispute it. The man has thrown 35 touchdown passes and four interceptions this year. I saw some crazy stat on NFL Live. He's thrown 15 interceptions in three years. It's unbelievable. Every Vikings quarterback throws at least 10 interceptions a year, and he's thrown 15 in three years. He has amazing he has an amazing knowledge of football, knowledge of his own offense, and he has a great—he has great connectivity. Uh, that's another word I probably just created. That might actually be a word. He has a great rapport with all of his receivers, whether they be starters like Devontae Adams uh, or the fourth tight end. The fourth string tight end has a, just as good a rapport with Aaron Rodgers as Devontae Adams, and and their dual-headed dual-headed machine at running back. Uh, with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones is almost unstoppable, and that's with backups on the offensive line. Aaron Rodgers is probably going to end up winning two MVPs in a row, and kudos to him for having an amazing season so far. 
Next, Defensive Player of the Year, number three, Trayvon Diggs of, da of the Dallas Cowboys. 11 interceptions. This man has been everywhere. Uh, I thought Xavier Howard was going to be the record holder for interceptions in a season with 10. Trayvon Diggs blew by him, and he slowed down a bit uh, since he was going through his extreme hot streak in terms of turnovers. Uh, but Trayvon Diggs is a huge impact player uh, for, his, for his football team. Uh, it's, he's scary enough to alter the way the offenses run plays against the Dallas defense. The fact that he's so good makes it better uh, for their defensive line. It has quarterbacks second-guessing where they want to throw the football. Where is he going to be? How how close is he going to be to the ball? I got to throw it away from him. So it, it's, it's an advantage uh, to the defensive line for Trayvon Diggs to be on the field. And their defensive line has done well with uh, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, with Micah Parsons, and with Randy Gregory, who's who's performed very well this season compared to previous seasons. Uh, so I love Trayvon Diggs. He plays well. Uh, there's a lot of bad rap coming out of coming out of uh, the Alabama, uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide player uh, coming into the draft. They said he was going to be a little bit weak. Said he was. He wasn't going to be as savvy as he is this early, uh, but he's proven all the haters wrong, and I love Trayvon Diggs uh, probably a little bit more than his brother. Number two on defensive for Defensive Player of the Year, Micah Parsons, his teammate. Uh, this dude can play every position on the field. It's unbelievable. I've watched him cover as a linebacker. I've watched him blitz as a linebacker. I've watched him play D-tackle. I've watched him play D-N. That's four positions right there. He did the same thing at Penn State. I didn't think it was going to transition that well in the NFL, but clearly the Cowboys are using him exactly the way you should be using him. He's a little bit smaller, but guess what? So are some pass rushers that get by 380-pound offensive linemen. So I love his I love his energy. I love how he gives 100% on every play. And as a rookie, he's done amazing. He's done an absolute amazing job at his position, and he's made the Dallas Cowboys defense transform into what it hasn't been in at least a few years number one for defensive player of the year tj watt uh just broke the sack record uh for the steelers uh, he's been everywhere on the field i think he's only played 13 games uh he's averaging more than one one and a quarter sacks a game it, it's awesome it doesn't seem like he's able to be blocked uh his his brother admitted that he seemed his jj Admitted that TJ's probably a little better than he was in his prime. Listening to that uh, as a little nugget on uh, NFL.com was pretty hilarious. But uh, listen, TJ Watt is an enforcer. Uh, like I said, he's not huge. He, he's not huge. He's quick. He has great moves. And he's able to make relatively good offensive tackles look pretty amateur. And by doing that, uh, and, and in a year where the Steelers' defense has definitely regressed since last season, they definitely don't have the best defense, but with him on the field, it makes it feel like the, the Steelers are still having a top 10 defense. We move on to Offensive Rookie of the Year, number three, Najee Harris of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, he doesn't have the flashiest stats. He doesn't have the most touchdowns, but guess what? The Steelers have leaned on him and leaned on him hard in every game. Whether he runs for 50 yards or 150 yards, he's going to have 30 touches. 30 touches, typically 27 rushes and a few receptions, sometimes even 30 rushes. That's a lot for a rookie. He's embraced that. He, he loves it. 
And guess what? He's been grinding all season in a in an offense where the Pittsburgh Steelers basically check it down on every throw. And I know there's probably a lot of people in that in the box when he when he's in the backfield. So Najee Harris, kudos to him for having a, a tough season. And by tough, I mean he's an actual tough guy. Like he's a tough dude. I saw him run somebody over, stiff arm somebody to the ground, look like Derrick Henry, but way smaller. I like what I've seen from Najee Harris, which is why I drafted him in my fantasy draft. So thank you, Najee, uh, for getting me those 29 points in the championship game. Uh, I really appreciate it, and and uh, kudos to you. Number two on Offensive Rookie of the Year, Mac Jones, the quarterback for the New England Patriots. Mac Jones has played well this season. You can say whatever you want about his statistics, uh, but you knew New England was not going to drop back and throw the ball 45 times a game. Now, they're using Mac Jones the way Mac Jones should be used. He's an accurate, smart guy uh, with a very high floor but a lower ceiling. They're able to run the ball effectively. They play good defense. He doesn't make huge mistakes. He had a few games where he made some questionable throws, but as would most rookies. So all the people that hate on Mac Jones, I'm not a supporter of it. I like him. Uh, obviously, his ceiling is a lot lower than like a Patrick Mahomes uh, or even maybe a Trevor Lawrence. Um, but he's looked better than every other rookie in this rookie class this year. And, and that's the truth. The Trey Lance doesn't have the starts. Uh, we, Davis Mills has had some bad games on a bad team. Zach Wilson has been hurt, and he's also looked bad. Trevor Lawrence hasn't been hurt, and he's looked bad. So honestly, and then Justin Fields has been dinged up as, and has looked bad as well. So Mac Jones, clearly the best rookie, especially out of the quarterbacks, but he definitely deserves a spot in the top three of Offensive Rookie of the Year. But number one for Offensive Rookie of the Year, and there should be no contest on this, is Jamar Chase. Uh, last week, 11 catches for 266. He's setting records that I thought only... Justin Jefferson could set last season and he didn't win offensive rookie of the year still a little salty that Herbert won it over Jefferson because pretty I, I, even now though I'm probably a little biased and that's a fair statement uh, since I'm a Vikings fan and he was up for an award I'm a little biased but I think Jefferson had a better season than Herbert last year and I think Jamar's having a better season that, than Jefferson did and and the stats show uh, with Joe Burrow the connection is obviously there uh, he, he silenced the haters. I mentioned it earlier when we were going over injuries and people sitting for the, for the Bengals this week. He set, all, he set records. Hey, he looks so good. His routes are crisp. He's fast. He's able to find lanes even when he's in the middle of the field to extend plays. Uh, he gets you yak. So, and for all the people out there that don't know yak yards after the catch, um, but listen, I love him and I don't see anybody else overtaking him. I think it's clear as day that Jamar, Jamar Chase is going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. We transition into the Defensive Rookie of the Year. Number three, shout out to Greg again. The Kansas City Chiefs make an appearance. Nick Bolton, the linebacker that they drafted last year, I believe out of Missouri. This guy, and I didn't believe my buddy Greg either. He sent me text messages. I've seen him a few times play in a game. So I figured I was looking at the, the defensive draft picks, and I'm going through just so I can look at what these players have done when I was making this list. Nick Bolton is everywhere on a football field. He can play. He can rush the passer. He's a great tackler. And listen, he can he can cover. He can cover, cover running backs, and that's so hard in this league as a linebacker to be able to try and cover a running back. He's got speed, he's got power, he wraps up, he makes good tackles, 
and he's make he's leading them in tackles right now, and he's 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 a rookie. So I love Nick Bolton, a great player. Uh, they have they have Willie Gay as well. They have a couple of younger linebackers for the Kansas City Chiefs that have been impact impact players, especially against the run. Uh, this season when Kansas City was going on that rampage of not allowing teams more than 15 points. Uh, probably because of those two, but especially because of Nick Bolton. Number two for Defensive Rookie of the Year, Patrick Sertan the second, uh, the cornerback drafted by the Denver Broncos. A great cover corner. He doesn't have flashy stats, not anywhere near the Trayvon Diggs stats, uh, but he's a shutdown corner. We knew this when he was coming out of Alabama. He was the opposite. He was getting the opposite reputation that Trayvon Diggs was getting coming out. Uh, his dad played in the league for a long amount of time for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, he plays similar to his dad. Tough guy, great cover corner. He's a stickler. I, I love those types of corners. I want those types of corners on my football team, although it seems like we never have them uh, or we haven't had them since Antoine Winfield played, and he was short as hell. Uh, but I love the way that he's played this year. Uh, solid piece in that defensive backfield, which was probably top three in the league this year. So kudos to Pat Sertan for having a great rookie year. We can probably expect bigger and better things from him moving forward. But number one, we, we talked about him already because he's the only guy I think I had. No, that's a lie. Yeah, he's the only guy that I had ranked in two in the top three for multiple awards. Uh, and that was number one defensive rookie of the year, Micah Parsons. We just talked about him. I'm not going to go on another soapbox, but he's played great. He's played great all season. He deserves the award. He's like minus 10,000 on DraftKings for rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. Nobody's taking it over him. Uh, it was a ballsy pick for the Cowboys to make, and it 100% worked out. Kudos to Micah Parsons. And I got to shout out the Penn State alum uh, because I'm in the state of Pennsylvania. All right, last award we're going to go over is the Comeback Player of the Year. Number three on the list is Nick Bosa. Uh, last year, uh, had a, a season-ending injury. I think he only played three games in that season, if I'm not mistaken. Or had three tackles. I don't remember the statistic exactly, but missed most of, if not all, of the season last season. He's got 15 sacks. It is very important this season, especially for the 49ers, that they get a pass rush or had a pass rush uh, because their secondary is horrible. Uh, and their defensive uh, and their linebackers are have not played very well. Uh, so their front four has done a lot for that defense, not only against the not only rushing the passer, but also against the run. Uh, and it's clear as day you can beat the 49ers by throwing it deep because their corners are terrible. Uh, and their front four has been able to keep them in it. And it's because of Nick Bosa. He's an enforcer, similar to when his brother came into the league. Has a huge impact on defense. They're relatively small uh, defensive ends, uh, but they still are able to destroy offensive tackles. And it's amazing to watch, honestly. I remember watching the Vikings 49ers game. Nick Bosa is a monster. Uh, gets double teamed. Uh, and the other guys that aren't getting double teamed on the defensive line take advantage of it when he does and rush the passer. So he's able to affect the play even if he's not getting to it. Uh, great for Nick Bosa. Definitely deserves to be on my top three list for this award. Number two for the award, Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys. He has come back from a lot. Dak Prescott's injury looked awful. You've seen the videos. If you haven't, looked it up. If you're queasy, you might not want to. Uh, but very bad ankle injury. 
Dak hasn't played to the standard that people think he should, but Dak's getting wins and he's being able to get them even when he's clearly not 100% or is at least thinking about the injury. Now, listen, his last few games, the offense looks like it's sputtering. He's looked a little off. I'm not going to bury him for that coming off this type of injury. I think he's done okay. Uh, nothing to, to write home, home to mom about. Uh, but he's done well enough for his team to get W's. And, and coming off an injury, that is a lot harder than it sounds. Just me explaining it into a microphone. But number one on the comeback player of the year is 100% Joe Burrow. Uh, tore his ACL last season. Was able to come back. Made the start week one. Joe Burrow has played well. Putting up a thousand, almost 1,000 yards in the last two weeks. He's not going to play week 18. Uh, and the stats, his stats are, are not going to show exactly what he's done. Uh, and he's thrown a few picks, but he's not scared. He takes the right chances. He has the skill set. He does exactly what you need to do uh, to get the job done. Uh, and he's made that team go from last to first. And there's not much more you can ask uh, from a second-year quarterback at LSU. All right, guys, those are the awards. We are going to move on to the parlay. Uh, so I obviously got different odds than than you guys would get when you listen to this podcast. It's 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Friday. Uh, so I took these on Wednesday night. Uh, so my odds are a lot different than yours. Uh, but I've already placed the bet and I'm not cashing it out. So uh, I believe in these picks regardless of the change in the, the line. Uh, some of them will help you out. Some of them will help me out. Uh, but most of them are close. So. All right, let's start with the Emmanuel slash Kevin parlay for week 18 of the NFL. The first leg, seven-leg parlay, by the way. Uh, I think it's 93 to one odds, so pretty good odds. Uh, So let's see what we can do here. The first leg of the parlay is the Cowboys minus four uh, against the Eagles. Uh, Listen, there's stuff coming out of Dallas. It's weird. One day it says this. One day there's people injured and not playing with COVID. It's going to be so hard to call this. Uh, But basically, uh, the Cowboys are great on defense regardless of who's in there against the run. Uh, Philadelphia is not going to drop back with Jalen Hurts and throw for 450 yards against them, even if Trayvon Diggs doesn't play. Uh, so I love Dallas in this game. Doesn't look like the the Philadelphia Eagles can really move in seeding. Uh, looks like they're either going to play the Rams or the Bucks. So either way, I mean, I, I can see them, and they're riddled with COVID and injuries as well uh, at the offensive line and at the playmakers on offense as well. So I love the Cowboys here. I got them at minus seven. You guys have the available availability right now to get them at minus four. Uh, might want to hold off. Uh, on that, I know it's a parlay, so you have to put everything in at once uh, if you're going to parlay them or if you just take single bets. If you're going to single bet this, I would wait until the game starts. Seems like the line keeps moving since Wednesday night down in your favor, not in mine. Second leg of the parlay, the Titans minus 10 and a half. Sorry, I had it at 10 and a half. It's actually now 10. So the Titans minus 10 against the Houston Texans. The Texans aren't going to do anything against Tennessee. They're trying to secure that number one seed. They're going to come out, and they're going to come out hot. Davis Mills is not going to light up that defense. Uh, I know they did. he did light up the Chargers defense, but that's the Chargers. We're talking about the Tennessee Titans, who are probably have a top five defense this year. So I love Tennessee taking care of business against Houston. I don't expect much from Houston. I 
it, it's the Texans. But but I'm, I'm confident in, in the Titans winning by at least double digits, which is why I love them as the second leg, minus 10.5. Third leg of the parlay, the Falcons, plus 3.5. I got them at plus 4. Seems like it's getting a little bit closer here. Listen, the Saints team, I think, is a bit overrated. Uh, their quarterback position is weak. Uh, their defense is inconsistent. I'm betting on their defense being just inconsistent enough to only win by a field goal. Uh, and I think the Falcons win straight up here. So uh, Kyle Pitts, uh, rough injury. Uh, it seems like he had an issue with his hamstring. He missed practice earlier in the week, but then started to get limited participation later in the week. So I expect him to go. Cordell Patterson uh, has done well for them. I think that they're able to run the football at least a little bit. And these divisional games in the NFC South usually are close, uh, which is why I'm taking my chances. And I like Atlanta in week 18, uh, plus three and a half against the Saints. Fourth leg of the parlay, the Rams minus four and a half. I got that at four and a half, and so will you guys because it hasn't moved. I don't trust Trey Lance or I hurt Jimmy Garoppolo uh, against a Rams team that's played very well the last month. Uh, I think Matt Stafford comes out, and this is a statement game for him. They have an ability to win the division still, so they will be playing. Nobody will be sitting. Uh, so I love them this week. I they're really good down the field. Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr., Van Jefferson are going to completely embarrass the secondary of the San Francisco 49ers. Josh Norman's their best corner, and all he does is commit penalties. So I, I see this being out of out of reach and out of reach quickly. Uh, so I don't think that the, the 49ers stand a chance, which is why I love the Rams as the fourth leg minus four and a half. Fifth leg of the parlay, the Panthers plus seven and a half. It is now eight, so you guys can get it at eight. I got it at plus seven and a half, so it helps you guys out a bit. Tom Brady and all the Antonio Brown garbage that's happening right now. Uh, we could talk about that for a little bit. Why not? So Antonio Brown leaks text messages uh, regarding what happened between uh, an exchange between him and Bruce Arians. He's saying uh, he wrote a letter uh, explaining exactly what's happening. Uh, there were proper, it was proper grammar. Uh, it was a tweet with indentations. Uh, it was really weird, kind of similar to like he didn't write it, which is uh, something that's definitely going around the Ethernet right now. So, uh, listen, I, who's nobody's going to take Antonio Brown? He said he didn't want to come back in and play because he was hurt. They released him. Nobody's going to pick him up. He's not going anywhere. He's not going to play anywhere. And if he does, he makes himself, he incriminates himself. He basically said he was too hurt to go back in the game and he, his ankle would require surgery. That was a small snippet of his extremely long letter to the NFL or slash Twitter or what have you. He's not going to just go to another team and end up playing in the playoffs. It's not happening. It's absolutely not happening. And if it does, like I said, he makes himself look like an absolute idiot. And that's just the that's just the, the end of story, end all, be all. That's just it. He, he's going to look like a complete idiot if he thinks that he's going to be able to weasel his way to get another paycheck by basically lying everywhere and making up a complete bullshit story. I, I, this whole Antonio Brown thing is overshadowing everything. If I was Tom Brady right now, I'd be losing my mind. He stuck his neck out for this guy, and now all this stuff comes out. We don't know who to believe. 
Uh, we don't know if we want to believe the coaching staff of the Bucks. We don't know if we want to believe the front office of the Bucks. We don't know if we want to believe Antonio Brown. Track record normally tells the truth. That's all I'm going to say. Normally means there's a chance that the Bucks had some sort of terrible exchange with this player, and now it's just bad things happening to bad people. Uh, but normally bad things happen to good people, and that's what I live my life off of basically uh, day in and day out. So uh, listen, at I love the Panthers just coming out and being like, "Listen, our season sucks, but guess what? We're gonna give you, we're gonna give you everything we got, and we're gonna fight." Uh, and I don't think that the Bucks have much to play for, and they are dealing with a lot of injuries on the offensive side of the football, like I've talked to in exhaustion, and also on the defensive side of the football. Next leg, the sixth leg of the parlay, the Seahawks plus six and a half against the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals coming off a high last week with a big win against the Dallas Cowboys. I think Seattle does the same thing that the Panthers do, which is why I'm taking these teams similarly as clear underdogs. Uh, But listen, they're both divisional games. Uh, And listen, Russell Wilson wants to prove that he can play. He may be leaving this offseason, so this may be an audition. Uh, And based on the way they played last week, now granted it was against the Lions, uh, but this is a divisional game. I think I expect all divisional games to be close, even though the Vikings just got absolutely blown out. But that's because Sean Mannion is terrible. Um, however, I love Russ this week. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett uh, going up against a kind of subpar Arizona say, uh, safety and cornerback crew. Uh, they haven't really had very much success in terms of having the same players out there looks like they've dealt dealt with a lot of COVID dealt with a lot of injuries some players have been released that the cornerback position has been a little bit weak for the Arizona Cardinals and I think Russ is going to be able to expose that especially to the tune of plus six and a half last leg of the parlay and this is the probably the most riskiest one uh, but I'm feeling pretty strong about this and to be quite honest with you uh, I'm not too. I'm not too sorry about it. But uh, the New York Jets plus sixteen and a half. That is the same number you can get right now. That is the same number I got on Wednesday night. Uh, the Jets all should have beaten the Bucks, and if they should have beaten the Bucks, that means that they should cover sixteen and a half. Uh, I have a very good feeling uh, that the Buffalo Bills are going to find out relatively quickly uh, that they're going to be able to control this game. Uh, which means that it's going to stay closer rather than farther. I think Zach Wilson, once again, wants to come out and prove that his whole season wasn't completely worthless and that he did develop at least a bit. Uh, So big game for Robert Sala. I think they come out and they play well. Uh, Even though they're missing a few key pieces, Michael Carter still with the concussion. Um, But they have playmakers on that football team. And listen, their defense has played a little bit better uh, week in and week out, probably for the past four weeks. Uh, So I expect uh, the Buffalo Bills to probably score lower points, which is why I'm hedging my bet at the Jets plus 16 and a half. All right, guys, that is the parlay. Uh, Enjoy your week 18 football games, either as a fan, uh, whether you're betting on them as a fan or uh, hell, I don't know. Maybe you're in a fantasy football league that does week 18, but enjoy the week 18 games. I will be back on Tuesday, do a little bit of a recap. Uh, we'll do some playoff stuff because the, the playoffs will be set by the next time I talk to you guys. Uh, so we'll do some playoff stuff. We're going to keep the parlays going. I'll make some picks for the playoff games once we figure out what they are. Uh, but I definitely will have some more content for you guys. Uh, so thank you once again. 
Remember, tell anyone you know about the podcast that would enjoy it. I appreciate it. Uh, Clearly, that's already happened since I have listeners from all over the United States and even one from Ireland. So shout out to the one person from Ireland that's listened to my podcast. Uh, But uh, thank you so much for the word of mouth spreading of the podcast, the the, the shares on Facebook, the retweets, everything. Thank you so much. Please leave a review if you would be so kind to do so uh, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Remember my Twitter at All In Man Cave Pod. Uh, anything, questions you want me to answer on the podcast, feedback, uh, just follow me. Anything, anything you could possibly do for feedback. I uh, want to make, obviously, make the podcast as good as I can. Uh, and we're going to be getting some new content because the NFL is not going to go on forever. Uh, so we'll be doing some hockey content. Uh, We'll get Tyler back on the podcast. We'll do some baseball content uh, and maybe even spring into some soccer content as well. We'll, we'll, Golf content. There's a lot of stuff out there. So a lot of changes, uh, probably more or less after the NFL season. But uh, uh, always follow me on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Cole Hate, C-O-L-E-H-A-Y-D-T. Add me. Add me as a friend. Once again, feedback, everything, everything is encouraged in terms of feedback. Uh, And remember, you can find the podcast anywhere you find podcasts. Basically, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Alexa, uh, anything. iHeartRadio, it's available everywhere. So thank you so much, guys. Once again, another podcast in the books, the 65th podcast of the All In Man Cave podcast. Thank you guys again. Uh, Have a wonderful weekend. Relax a little bit. You guys all deserve it. And until Tuesday. Later.